Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of Ausbiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello. It is the 19th of May, 2021. This is the COB. I'm Nadine Blaney, and I'm here with David Scott. Scotty, what? I walk away from on-air market coverage today, and look what happens to the market in your hands. That's what happened. You don't go on air with me, but uh, I've done the quaddy today. I, uh, I was on air with every single anchor, bar Koshi. So uh, that's going to be something, <laughs> a future I know, goal of mine to go and get on air with every single other uh, anchor out there. Well, look, there would have been lots to talk to Koshi about today because Boy, that is a sea of red out there. What a gnarly day. Yeah, and uh, out of nowhere, really. But uh, the writing's been on the wharf and uh, the warning signals have been around for a while that uh, this rally was looking a little bit, uh, bit tired and fatigued. Now, one day does not make a trend change. Uh, but uh, really interesting. There was no real catalyst. There was no moving bond yields. Uh, there was no ugly data or anything like that. It just came out of the blue. And it really gives you a sense as to where, at least in the near term, where the, uh, the path of least resistance may be. And there was plenty of volume going through the market as well. And there wasn't really any place to hide in terms of sectors either. So the banks were hit hard. The resources names were hit hard. Consumers, I mean, I could go on. There was a, a bit of buying in afterpay, um, but other than just you know rare pockets of green, it was really really brutal out there. And there's lots of people on Twitter talking about their uh, <laughs> their losses today. Nothing <laughs> to laugh at, but you know everybody gets schooled at some point. Yeah, uh, EML got schooled today. Yeah, ugly. Uh, some uh, real concerns being raised at the Bank of Ireland uh, about the. Uh, What's going on there with the PFS unit there? A big revenue earner for, uh, for EML. And uh, when that news came out today, we know that uh, there were some, uh, some regulatory findings that were coming due. But uh, when they came out in the headlines and we saw the share price reaction, initially, uh, the share price was down more than 50%. And that's yeah, just, you don't, you see, don't see that. Yeah, that's, that's a rarity. Nowadays. Well, it's when you see, you know, counterterrorism, um, all of those words being associated with, you know, money laundering. I mean, well, we've seen it with the big banks here. Yeah. However, that is not something you want to be associated with. And there are just so many unknowns. And I think that we should just get to the stock of the day today. EML Payments was the stock of the day, a company we've had on the channel many, many times. There's still lots of firm believers in the overall story, but it finished down close to 45%. We spoke with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory about EML payments. 
there's the uncertainty piece. So you had a business that was trading on a pretty stretch valuation to begin with, and then you uh, introduce some uncertainty. Never mind the ordinary day that we were just talking about, and it's you know that's why we get a share price down forty percent. You absolutely do not want to be buying this at the moment. You are catching the falling knife. But um, you know, is it a sell if you're a holder? Yes. That's that's the uncertain question, Koshi, because, you know, if it is and we've seen this before where the market does move in very violent moves. But I, I would I would say it's a tenuous hold at best until we get a bit more information. But it's absolutely not a buy at these levels. Their main market is Europe. Yeah. Uh, one of their big markets for gift cards and the shopping centre, yeah. things like that is in Europe. And Europe was going into lockdown and Europe was going into restrictions. And to yeah. me, that was, you know, that that was a red flag, right. nothing to do with the Central Bank of Ireland. If you haven't got a position, it's a trader's paradise at the moment, and we are jumping at shadows. We don't know right. the quantity of the problem. If you're a shareholder now, um, you know, you're obviously slightly better off now than you were a couple of hours ago, but I would be trying to reduce the risks on a bounce. So that is, yeah, the take on email payments on a day that was, abs- I mean, you saw that chart on the screen through the day today and uh, pretty painful. So if you have it, hold it, uh, but just too much uncertainty around that name right now. Yeah, really ugly day, but uh, similar kind of story, but uh, different fortunes today happen. Yeah, right? up by close to 18%. Yeah, so I uh, know AI back in vogue, obviously, uh, we're, we're buying the dip and uh, now announcing that restructuring plan and a uh, no, bit of a pivot of sorts and uh, not a lot of detail, I've got to say, but uh, the market seemed to like it regardless. Well, because it was on a downgrade cycle. Something had to be done and it appears as if that has, you know, stemmed the bleed, at least for now. Newix as well, putting on more ground after a mea culpa from management and uh, the chair yesterday. We'll see how long that lasts. It was a day for those kind of companies. Yeah. I mean, really, like you mentioned Afterpay had a bit of a, a little uh, bounce today, uh, managing to go against the grain. So it was a very similar thematic throughout the market. A lot of those companies that have really been copped a shellacking over the last couple of months doing decent. Well, there's a price for everything, isn't there? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, You're excused. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, well, I mean, we can continue to talk about the market itself, really. I mean, the resources sector down, I think it was the second largest decline in a year. Wow, that's, uh, that's some great statistics you got there. Uh, yeah, it was just nasty in general. This, there was nowhere to escape. And that was the, the broad scale and the uh, above average volumes that uh, you know mm-hmm. very, very telling and potentially you know, may signal that we're going to get a bit more selling in the other uh, period ahead. But not getting ahead of ourselves, it's, uh, we're still very close to those, uh, those multi-year peaks uh, that we hit only a couple of uh, weeks ago. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet, but uh, the vulnerabilities to the downside certainly seem to be uh, much larger than uh, the potential upsides at this stage. And it comes even as we get pretty positive economic data. The skilled job vacancies report hitting a 12 and a half year high today. Consumer job worries at a decade low. We've got wages lifting themselves off the mat. Do you know how long that will last and to what extent, obviously, is the question. But yeah, that just speaks about that economic backdrop as well. Yeah, and the, uh, the question mark about the need for continuous stimulus being applied both in the fiscal and monetary side of the equation to an economy which is already healed and, uh, and quite strong. And that's a question that's going to be getting asked a lot over the next couple of months. And um, I tweeted it out this morning, you know, more research from ComBank saying, you know, despite a once-in-a-lifetime health pandemic against all expectations, the financial well-being of Australians has hit an all-time high. It's so, you know... 
so instructive as to the central banks and uh, fiscal policy having our backs and what that's done. Yeah. Unreal. Okay. Let's just get across. Um, I guess you wrote about that in your view today, didn't you? Uh, I thought I thought it was a little touching upon it, but uh, I, can, I can delve a bit deeper. I think tomorrow's jobs report is going to be really instructive for investors as to what matters more for the RBA when it comes to the uh, process of policy normalization. If we get a really strong report, I think to me that just seals the deal. We've managed to navigate the end of JobKeeper. So what do we then think of next? Okay, well, does the uh, economy need emergency era settings like quantitative easing? The short answer is no. But if the RBA continues down that path, it tells me immediately that it's the actions of other central banks, and let's be honest, it'll be the Federal Reserve we're talking about here, that is really in the driving scene as to what happens next here, not so much the domestic economy. So that will be a bit of a tell. So uh, all things being equal, unless we get a really shocking jobs report, which it probably will be now that I've written about it, (laughs) uh, if it's a good one, then uh, all eyes in that July policy meeting from the RBA because uh, that will give you some pretty big clues as to what we should really be caring about moving forward. Yeah, there's definitely potential for some volatility around 11.30 a.m. tomorrow. We'll be covering it live and get analysis for you on that I'm job I'm pumped up for it already. Well. So excited. I love that you got the excitement still flowing through you after the market closed today. To discuss that jobs report, we've got Phil O'Donoghue from Deutsche Bank and Matthew Sherwood from Perpetual. So great lineup of guests there. Look, if you're into it, there are a couple of interviews you can access via the show notes that give you a few stock picks, for lack of a better term. And uh, Cara delved into the correction. Well, ask the question, is the correction here with Carl Capulinga from The Trade? So you can access that But she was diving into the correction. No, 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 she stayed clean. Um, but yeah, so you can access that via the show notes. It's been a day, Scotty. It's been a day. Um, Marcus Bogdan from Blackmore Capital will be with us 9.30 tomorrow. Looking forward to that as well as Todd Warren from Tribeca Investment Partners talking commodities. We are at the SAFA conference tomorrow and we'll be speaking with Emma Fisher, PM and Head of Research at Airly Funds Management. Really looking forward to what she has to say. And the list goes on. Neville Azapardi, CEO of Wealth. Um, Sayers Wealth is joining us. Also, Rob Edgley, CEO of Self Wealth. Uh, I'm going to ask him a few questions about uh, what's been going on with customer signups and the like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wrote a view on that last week, obviously, and I'm keen to go get some, uh, some context from the horse's mouth. Yeah. It, looking forward to tomorrow. Of course, we've got to get through tonight before then. I hope everybody has a good one. You too, Scotty. You too. I've got a big, uh, big stretch on the air tomorrow, so I'm warming up for a big spell. So looking forward to it. Ooh, looking forward to it. See ya. Bye.